Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2022 RBC Heritage Picks, First Look Preview, and Research. Reminder to everyone out there to smash the like button for the episode. Sub to Mayo Media Network. Give me your early lean on a long shot winner in the comments section. And play in the Listener's League. We're back to 3,000 spots this week. We filled up 5,000 by Monday afternoon for the Masters. I wouldn't expect these spots to be flying off the shelves like last week. However, if you're subbed to the podcast or watching on YouTube, you just hit the description and find the link down there right now. Go reserve one, two, or three spots. It's a rake-free tournament. I suggest you sub- subscribe and take three of those spots because why wouldn't you? It's rake-free money. It's the best tournament on DraftKings. Highly recommend you go do that right now. I'll have my Masters recap along with picks for the Heritage Monday with Jeff Feinberg and then back into the regular routine. Tuesday DraftKings picks live with Tambo on Wednesday. Plus, we're going to start talking a little bit about the NFL draft coming up very soon as well. I got some great guests lined up for that. Sub to the newsletter down in the description as well. Reminder to everyone, this walkthrough is powered by FantasyNational.com. If you want to become a member and do your own research and build your own models, generate your own lineups, use the simulator, FantasyNational.com slash Mayo to get yourself 20% off. So let's head over there right now and check out what's going on with the field this week. Stacked field at the RBC Heritage. Obviously in 2020, when it was the second tournament out of the COVID hiatus, all the best players in the world went and played at Harbortown Golf Links. And last year we had an inevitable drop-off. Stuart Sink ended up winning. More on that in a second. But Morikawa was still there. A good field last year. This field is pretty stacked to tell you the truth now obviously i'm filming this with the leaders just getting off underway at the masters and cam smith already making an early charge on scotty scheffler no idea how that's going to play out but cam smith patrick cantley dustin johnson justin thomas and colin morikawa are all in the field all top 10 players in the world and then you look at the second tier of player this week it's pretty impressive to tell you the truth you got Berger, sungjae Fitz, Henley, Lowry, Hatton, Horschel, Connors, Webb Simpson, Answer, Neiman, Kokrak, Kisner, Fleetwood, Varner, Nah, Spieth is playing, Luke List is playing. They even gave an invitation to this journeyman on tour, Ricky Fowler. He's going to be in the field as well. And then you have like everyone's favorites from every week. Hoagie, Mav McNeely, Denny McCarthy, Aaron Wise, Cam Young, Ian Poulter is back in the field after missing the qualification invitation at the Masters. Overall, there's 132 players, top 65 in thighs, make the cut, and I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, RBC Heritage, as longtime viewers of the show know, is one of my favorite tournaments of the year. And it's a spot where I've made a lot of money over the years. So maybe we can get another Kadira on the go. Who knows what's going to go on? Let's take a look back at what has happened here in both recent and long-term history. Like I mentioned, Stuart Sink was the winner a year ago using that Texas wedge. I recall this because I had money on his playing partner on Sunday, Colin Morikawa, as I normally do. And it was the first time I ever saw Morikawa really melt down in the final round. And maybe he was being too overzealous. Sink had a five-stroke lead going into the final round, so you're going to have to get aggressive and maybe get a bit too aggressive. But as we can see, the top 10, Sink was first, Grio and Werner tied for second, Corey Connors was fourth, tied with Fitz and Mav McNeely, Kirk, Morikawa, and Henley 
or actually Kirk and Morikawa tied for seventh. He had Henley, Lowry, Webb Simpson, and Cam Smith all tied for ninth. You got Berger up there, Harmon, Sungjae, Dustin all inside the top 20. Abe Answer, Hoffman, Kucher, another decent performance coming off. A great week in Valero, so we'll see how he ends up doing. Danny Willett, T18 as well. So, you know, the better names really did rise to the top last year. It wasn't a lot of bottom-of-the-barrel type players. Looking back at all the previous champions, obviously Sink at minus 19. We hit Webb in a big one uh, back when I was still running hot and not just making losing picks every single week. Hit Webb Simpson at 22 under the course record in 2020. Uh, played at a different time of year, mind you. CT Pan outlasted Dustin Johnson of all people in 2019. Won at minus 12. Kadira minus 12. A lot of bad weather. They had to move up the tee times that day uh, on the Sunday. So that was a tougher Sunday than we're used to. He beat Siwoo Kim in a playoff. Luke List ended up coming in third. Wes Bryan stormed back in 2017. Brennan Grace, uh, right after Danny Willett won, cashed another big one with Brennan Grace in 2016 as well. And one thing that we're going to dig into when we look at the course, you're just going to see the approach and putting, that's this entire tournament. Uh, off the tee means relatively little. Around the green means relatively little. You don't want to be poor at them, as you can see. But let's just sort by strokes gained approach. And you can see that seven of... Of the top nine in terms of the leaderboard all finished inside the top 10 overall. So you had Henley, Sink, Morikawa, Grio, Lowry, Webb, and Varner all finished inside the top nine in strokes gained approach for the week. They all finished inside the top 10 on the leaderboard. Berger was... What was he? He was seventh in approach. He came 13th. Shank was the only one who didn't. He came 25th. It's because he lost almost five strokes off the tee. Probably don't want to be doing that. Uh, you can see even with Russell Henley, like he came in ninth and you know, he dropped a few strokes putting. That was it. Like Sink was out of his mind all week, especially around the greens. The guy never took out a wedge, it seemed like, the entire tournament. He just kept using the Texas wedge, putting from wherever, and just dropping it to six inches every single time. It was infuriating when you were watching your guys. Obviously, I didn't have sync. I know a lot of people did have sync last year. It was the second win of the season, too, after winning at the Fortinet. But it was just really interesting to see. Obviously, you don't want to be dropping strokes uh, around the green. Only Griot and Fitzpatrick did that, and I guess Webb inside the top 10 you see Henley and Morikawa both bled strokes on the green lost 2.5 or more apiece but it's generally flat over that the big spike for all of them outside of Chris Kirk who kind of did it with driving and his approach same as Griot was just the approach play so we need to get guys that are locked in on an approach you get a lot of short approaches at this course it's just it's a Pete Dye course it's a short course and realistically you're going to hit a lot of fairways but you do want to be situated on the right side of the fairway that is very important to think about so like the angles coming into the green that sometimes it's better to play out of the right rough than it is the left part of the fairway just because you have a better look at the green we can take a look at the players that have done the best at this tournament you can see Webb has not finished worse than t16 in any of his past five trips with the win in 2020 so Webb, kuchar Holter, Cantley, Dustin. Cantley still has the fourth most strokes gained total over the past five years, despite being cut last year, not playing in 2020. A third, seventh, and third before that. Dustin, as an RBC guy, plays this almost every year. You can see where he picked up his RBC sponsorship in 2018 and started playing it every single year. He's been in the mix a bunch of times, but no finish better than T13. That's probably going to throw a lot of people off of him on DraftKings this week. So it might be an interesting opportunity to buy on Dustin Johnson in this circumstance. Uh, If, I mean, with the amount of great players that I just mentioned in the field, there's a chance that he just might go overlooked. It's really difficult to say. See, answer second and 18th, Hatton third. That was the really difficult year, T39 last year. How the hell did that happen to Hatton? Let's see here. Let's go to T33. See what happened. Oh, there's our old friend Doug Gim. Gained a bunch on approach. I think I wrote him up a year ago. Um, Decent week, mind you. Nothing great. There's Hatton. Let's see, 39th. Yeah, couldn't really putt, but did gain T to green. Not bad T to green at all. Him and Sam Burns uh, both struggled on the putting services. No Sam Burns this year, but we do get Hatton back. Once again, Cam Davis did it all with driving and putting, but you can see when you lose on approach, you finish outside the top 20 at a tournament like this. Noren's another one to really look into. He's in the field again this week and has been playing some pretty decent golf, uh, to tell you the truth. At the Valispar, the approach wasn't very good, but the rest of his game was. And you can see at Honda and players, again, short Bermuda tracks, uh, more in line 
line with this tournament. Obviously, Sawgrass is another Pete Dye design. Valspar, longer than it plays on the scorecard. And then par adjusted, it's a lot longer as well. So the shorter irons should benefit him. And realistically, I mean, he had gained in, what, six straight events with his irons before losing at the Valspar, but was still able to make it up with his T12. So Norin, basically a short list as a bomb in this event. And I don't think the bomb is going to be 200 to 1, but he might come in somewhere like 65, 70, 80 to 1 to start the week just because of the overall wealth and depth of talent in this field, especially at the top end. When we try to guess the odds a little bit later on, it's going to be difficult to really parse through who is going to be like great at this event and who's not uh, because you know, there's so many guys that you could list underneath 20 to one that obviously it's not going to shake down that way. Even someone like Tom Hoagie, who's been playing some pretty good golf, made the cut at the masters. Oh, he's going to be like 90 to one, hundred to one. Same as Luke list who has a third place finish at this tournament in the past as well. That just there's so many good players that it's going to inevitably have to crush them down. So let's take a look at the course and take a look back at the historic course conditions. Uh, as you can see, hitting fairways was difficult in the first round last year. Wind can play a factor. We saw we saw it's been uh, we it's been moderate, pretty. We haven't seen a lot of like really difficult ones, and then you start going back in time a little bit, and you can see there's almost as many windy AF, which is 17 miles per hour or over, uh, as calm. It's generally right in that middle, that like 10 to 17 range. It just makes it a little bit more tricky. Uh, the greens are really small at what is this called? Uh, Harbor Town Golf Links. They spell harbor with the just great with the U in it, the the Commonwealth way, not the American way of spelling harbor. But you're going to see like good drives gained. Uh, sorry, yeah, good drives gained or even yeah, greens and regulation are going to be very high here. I remember Graham Dillette one year hadn't missed a green in regulation or missed like two through three rounds. And then he finally had to chip and that was the end of them. But these are really small greens. That's usually really good for Maverick McNeely. That's where he usually does his best work at these sm shorter courses with smaller greens for whatever reason. That's just where he ends up popping up over time. And we can see by the breakdown uh, going through everything, you probably don't want the wraparound in terms of showdown with the 18th being the third most difficult hole on the course. You can birdie it for sure, 10% birdie rate. Just you can make some big numbers on that final hole as well that if you can get going a little bit early on and play it all the way through, you do get this stretch of 9, 10, and 11. Well, 10 and 11 aren't easy by any means. You have the 26% par 4 that is up there Then you get in terms of birdie rate. And then you get an 11% birdie rate and 12% birdie rate after that that it seems a little bit easier i guess maybe not if you can birdie 18 then you're kind of in the clear because number two is a really easy hole if you can go 18 one two that's another way to compile those streaks it doesn't seem like it's going to play that much of a difference here at all so you can see amongst the top 10 finishers driving means relatively little around the green actually means a little bit more but they all fail in comparison with approach when you were parsing through the t to green numbers at rbc heritage approach in putting it probably gets even more pronounced once we click on the top five finishers yeah so you can see approach is almost three times higher as as impactful per round than approach versus off the tee and it's more than two and a half times around the green and then putting's about on par so you need to like ideally if you're going to win or come inside the top five in this tournament you would gain like 1.5 strokes off the tee for the tournament 1.7 around the greens 4.1 on approach and four putting. Obviously, that's not how everyone's going to cobble it together once you look at the strokes gained throughout the course of the tournament. But ideally, that's how you would end up finishing. If we take a look at the winners, I bet you approach and putting is even higher. Oh, yeah, there we go. Now there's a huge gap. The winners are averaging, geez, uh, all, over five strokes on approach per tournament and, you know, over five strokes putting as well. And, you know, doing a little bit around the green, a little bit off the tee, enough not to bleed any of those strokes past. When we see, like, even a more granular view of the top 20 finishers, you can always screw around with this on Fantasy National, however you want, because we do have full shot link for Harbortown, uh, fantasynational.com slash mayo, to get that 20% off. So approach highly overweight as we do every single week, but even more this time around, like opportunities gained is going to be really huge with these really small greens are really going to lead us. And you don't see a lot of three putts at this course generally because they're 
the greens are so small that there's not enough room to three putt by and large. So does that help out the good chipper, bad putter? I mean, would that lead you to a Luke list? Potentially. Uh, Corey Connors might have a few struggles, but his ball striking is so good. Maybe it doesn't come into play as much. Maybe he can putt from off the green. Who knows? Taking a look at the whole comparisons, you have a lot of these par fours, 400 to 450 yards. There's five of them, and there's four of them, 450 to 500. And outside of that, like you have these longish par threes. Uh, there's three of them between the 175 and 200 bucket, and then one above 200 yards. So that's even eating up a lot of the yardage on this course because you have no like gimme type of par three that's you know 140 yards or something like that. Uh, you do have two short par fours to go after, and all of the par fives are, I wouldn't say like gettable, but they're not super difficult. You know, one gives up 51, number two gives up a 50% birdie rate, 44% birdie rate for number five, only 26 on number 15. That is a three-shot hole. Uh, you can get yourself into trouble on that one. Even eagles are more difficult to come by. There's no gimme eagle hole, 2.8% eagle rate on number two, 2% on number five, it's doable. It's just far more difficult that uh, the par fives than you see at most other courses. And then the par threes, uh, when we take a look at how, how difficult they're going to be, number 14 is the most difficult hole on the course. Uh, that's 192 yards. Uh, the par three, 200 yards. So yeah, you can actually see they're all from 190 to 200, all four of the par threes. So uh, that's why they're going to play a little bit more difficult. Only one, number 17, plays easier than average. I think that, I can't remember which one's which. It's either 14 or 17. One of them has that weird gate in front of the hole that guys can go in the water, guys can go in the sand. All that fun stuff is always on the table at a course like this. The average drive is way down here. 267 yards per drive versus the tour average of 283. So that's going to be some of the shortest on tour. A very similar approach as you see a lot of players take at, I mean, another golf links. Pebble Beach golf links would be the one that comes to mind when you think short driving distance when we get out there and guys laying up off the tee. So it's going to improve the accuracy of the longer hitters uh, average proximity on greens and regulation is smaller than it is on your average tour event by almost two feet but again the greens are a whole lot smaller so that actually makes a lot of logical sense ad break let me tell you a little bit about movement that's mvmt if you're gonna go searching for it but my wife and i were shocked when we got our movement item she got a watch that it's like a $500 watch. Did not cost $500, but looks immaculate. I got myself a nice pair of sunglasses with the summer months coming up, even the end of spring. It starts getting sunny out. I don't like too much brightness when I'm driving, playing golf, whatever, and they are super sharp. Could not be happier with my experience at MVMT. Again, that's called movement when you say it all out. And movement watches have the look and quality of a $400 to $500 watch you're going to pay for at a department store, but cost a fraction of the price because they were built online and own the process from start to finish. So the movement company is doing great work cutting up the middleman and helping you get a better price for high quality items. So I want you guys to get in on this too. Not only do they have cheaper prices, I got you a discount. So if you want to elevate your look with style that doesn't break the bank, then join the MVMT and get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash mayo. Again, that's mvmt.com slash mayo. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without the added security, you may as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, or your ISP and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can go use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing speed. Your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like Fire Stick. When you're streaming media, whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IPVanish. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's like getting nine months for free. 
IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you got to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know what's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take back your privacy today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com slash mayo and use promo code mayo and claim your 70% savings. That's ipvanish.com slash mayo. Our next partner is a product I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I needed something in the morning that was filling, good for me, low in calories, and really kept my bloating, you know, because I go on camera all the time, under wraps. Then I started having bad gut health after I stopped using it, so I was like, I need to start taking my Athletic Greens again. Then, boom, all of a sudden, started feeling a whole lot better. So what is it? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help start your day right. Athletic Greens supports better sleep quality and recovery and supports mental clarity and alertness. And it costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash mayo. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash mayo to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Go to the model and see what we can find out. Obviously, you know the good players are going to do well here. And we'll see how that works and see if we can find... uh, Oh, Heritage worked. Excellent news for me. So let's take a look at what I had here in the past. Birdies are better gain, 10%. Strokes gain, ball striking, 5%. So that's approach plus driving par fives, 5%. Greens and regulations gained. I wanted to see it, but I weighted it at 0%. Approach, 25%. T to green to encompass all of it again. So there's a lot of overlap I have here with approach. And around the green, just in case I want to I want to make sure the guys are still gaining strokes around the green because I want to find a winner out of this bunch. So T to green, 10%. Around the green, 10%. Par 4 is 10%. Par 3 is 175 to 200 because they're all going to fall in that bucket. 5%. Good drives gained, 10%. And strokes gained putting, 10%. The only thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to... Let's see here. I want to minimize T to green since I'm already counting that a few times. Make that 5%. Take birdies or better down 5% and throw in opportunities gained, which is a fantasy national stat, uh, meaning, where are we at here? Where's, where's fair opportunities gained? There we are. It is a green in, in or under regulation or fringe. So you, uh, basically, if you have a putt inside 20 feet, that is going for birdie or eagle. That's going to be an opportunity gained. And that's going to be better than our proximity numbers this week solely because it's going to show us who has birdie putts at small greens, or at least going to be able to hit the green in that way. So we'll sort this over the past 50 rounds, and it's going to tell us that uh, Cam Smith is probably the best player. Hadwin's probably going to rank up really highly here. Oh, Lowry. Wow. Lowry over the past 50 rounds is number one. So the top 10 is Lowry, Cantley, Thomas, Cam Smith, Hoagie, Henley, Berger, Morikawa, Adam Hadwin, Luca List. There he is. Hatton falls just outside the top 10. He's number 11. Then you have Simpson, Varner, Mito, Neiman, Connors, Aaron Wise, Ian Poulter and Mav McNeely. Dustin Johnson is number 20. It's going to be a smorgasbord of options here. Many different ways to construct DraftKings lineup, how to build a card this week. That's going to be a very interesting time. We'll see how these guys have done at these tournaments over the years. So we have Luke List is up first. Take a look at Luke List. Dig in here a little bit. Here it is. 58 myth, myth, myth cut. Listen to me. I have a whiff now. Never really putted well on these greens. That's for sure. He came third one year and still lost strokes. He finished just outside that playoff to Kadaira and Siwoo Kim. But the approach three of the past four trips has been immaculate. You just hope that maybe the putting has gotten a lot better. Although recently, the numbers would not suggest that whatsoever. He's been abysmal on the greens as of late. And you can see per round, he's losing almost a half stroke per round on Bermuda grass, which isn't as bad as on bent, mind you. Not as good on Poa when he finally had the turnaround 
played very well, though. You can see he broke even at the RSM. That was good news. Uh, maybe he can just have one of these fortuitous putting weeks. You never know with these things with Luke List. We'll see Adam Hadwin. Remember he withdrew pre-tournament one year, and we were all going to bet him, and it was going to be great news, but... He's never really had a spike performance here because he's never really rolled it well on the greens. Never really had that great of a performance. 2017 really was his year. He was playing great golf in 2017. It was 2018 he withdrew before the tournament started when everyone wanted to back him. But he was 22nd, 30th. So he's had a few good runs here. Obviously playing some of the best golf since his win. Uh, you can see three consecutive top 10s coming in. Uh, he didn't even really putt well at Valero. Lost a stroke, 1.2 strokes with his putter. Gaining off the tee. Gaining on approach. Gaining on around the greens. It's looking pretty good. And these are juicy approach numbers the last three starts. So 4.2, 3.3, 3.4. And even before that, a bad Genesis at a course where no one expects him to play well. But Phoenix, Pebble, once again, great on the approaches. So expect Hadwin to be a very popular sleeper-ish type guy. I think if he opens at 70 or better, he's a bet right away because everyone is going to be on Adam Hadwin, and that number will get beat down to like 50-45. Now, he might just open at 50 because the books obviously look at numbers, look at trends, and then all of a sudden we're just he's going to have all the value sucked out of him. It's not that I don't think that he's a bad bet at 50 to one or 40 to one. Obviously he's playing great golf coming in, but in a field when you have five of the top 10 players, it looks like 13 or of the top 25. I mean, that's a bit more difficult for Hadwin uh, in that circumstance. How's Aaron Wise doing here? Obviously a coastal course King. Oh, good. I see the broomstick putter work for a while until it hasn't recently. Although the ball striking has been back. Can he go out of his way not to lose all of the strokes putting at Heritage? That'd be nice. Oh, Aaron Wise. There we go. Yeah, it's been pretty good for Aaron Wise at the Heritage. Miscut, miscut. Lost three strokes putting in two rounds, 3.8 in two rounds. You know, eventually it's not going to be great. But you see these TV green numbers. They're pretty juicy. Guy, dude legit can't putt, though. Uh, it's becoming a real problem. He's in, like, less consistent ball striking, but equally as bad of a putter Luke List range. You can see Mav, Bermuda, not his preferred surface, but... It's been going all right. Let's see, on Poa gained 8.4, gained at the players and at the Arnold Palmer. He hasn't missed a cut this season except for the Shriners, so it's been a really good run for him. The ball striking has been fantastic. Obviously, the chipping has not been great. Hopefully, he can rectify that a little bit because the importance is we don't need him bleeding away strokes around the green. We don't need him to gain I mean, 3.3 last year and gain 5.6 strokes putting. So if he can bring his ball striking and just half is around the green and half is putting, he's going to be wildly live to win this tournament so the one fun thing about this one as well is any type of player can win at this course it's one of those courses on the pga tour so you can see let's see a good drives gained right now um, if you ever wonder what like this stuff means you can go to the glossary of stats and just go check stuff out so where do we got good drives gained a good drive gained in case you were wondering good drives gained are when our dr drives where the player either with his spelled incorrectly, shout out Moose on that one, hits the fairway off the tee or misses the fairway, but still hits a green or fringe in regulation. So it wasn't so detrimental to them. They weren't able to hit the green. The Sony Open, we see this a lot at very high green and regulation rate, very low fairway percentage. So that one of the reasons that I wanted to mix in good drives gained this week, oh yeah, and it's sorry, opportunities gained is 15 feet in in so a very scorable opportunity on opportunities gained uh, either way the reason i incorporate good drives gained here over greens and regulations gained because i like to see them next to each other so you see russell knox is number one he's also number one in greens and regulation but you have someone like shez reeby who is sixth in that number mainly because he hits a lot of fair this is going to lean towards guys uh, who do hit a lot of fairways by and large oh jim furyk's in the field but 82nd in opportunities gained and then when you start taking a look at his approach yeah you can see it's not elite so now we're having some real problems here. Although Reevy, how has Reevy been playing? How's Stu, Stu Manji been playing? This is like a classic Brian Stewart comes T17 course. Uh, just Bermuda greens, hit some fairways, hit some short irons. Let's see how we do here. Heritage, never really been a, a great spot for him over the years, though. Best finish is 33rd in 2016. Oh, that's Chez Reevy, sorry. Yeah, so let's fade Chez Reevy. Let's see how... We've done here, yeah. Brian, yeah, this is a real Brian Stewart. He's made the cut every year since 2014. 18th, 16th, 5th. You can see he just really gets it rolling on Bermuda. And he's had some really good approach 
years at this event uh, throughout time. See Morikawa's first in ball striking. His around the green sucks. His putting has been really bad. Maybe he can rectify that. Maybe not. This is all going to be number dependent at the top of the board for me uh, when we take a look at it. But where you don't necessarily have to hit the fairway at this course, you just need to hit a lot of greens of regulation and be good on approach. I'm interested to see what happens with good drive gained for some of the more inaccurate players on tour. Can they go after it? You see someone like Luke List, not super accurate off the tee, very good with the good drives gained uh, because you can hit a lot of greens and regulation from missing the fairway at this course. Oh God, Nick Watney rates out well again. Ugh, he's going to be so far down. Who are some of the sleepers we can look at here that just names that you wouldn't expect to pop up so highly? Everyone so far, outside of Wise, I suppose, and this is past 50 rounds, so of course, Luke Donald at the Luke Donald Open uh, should potentially be worth a look. We'll see how, how has he done in recent years? Because there was a year where if you just played Luke Donald every year on DraftKings, you just won money. Yeah, so he's missed the cut three of the past four years. Before that, second, second, 15th, second, third, 37th, second, third, second. It's quite a run for any course ever. Although the approach has been really bad the past two years. And what was he over the past 50 rounds? He's fifth in approach coming into this event. Swafford is ninth. Svensson is 12th. Neesmith is 18th. So some of the guys that we've seen pop up, you know, Svensson popped at the Honda. Neesmith popped at the Valspar. We're back. Although this is like Carolina, Bermuda, it has a lot in common with a lot of these Florida courses. I'm To give you to you straight up, I love the way Kevin Kisner's playing right now. And this is a Kevin Kisner style course. Uh, obviously, he's not going to rate out very well because Kevin Kisner's kind of an anti-stats type player. But just where are the courses where he's supposed to do well? The players? Yeah, he did really well. The approach wasn't very good. Sony Open. Is that a Kevin Kisner course? Of course it is. Did he play well there? Yes, he did. He's even playing well at the Masters. As we speak right now, for what I thought that he was going to do, uh, I remember he lost in a playoff to Jim Furyk in 2015. That's when he was on his run at the players. 11th, 7th. Hasn't been great the past few times, but he comes in with pretty good form at the moment. Um, whether he's doing it through putting, whether he's doing it through chipping. Uh, you can see at the players, he drove the ball well. Before that, earlier on in the year at the century, when we were in Hawaii, he was hitting his irons really well. I wouldn't get sucked into a trap, but looking at his overall number, because again, with all the bigger names that are at this course, you might be able to catch an early number that's pretty good on Kisner and feel okay about it. Uh, a lot like his win at Sedgefield. Like Sedgefield is very clearly the comp course two heritage. We've seen so many guys either win both, come first or second, even someone like C.T. Pan, who ends up winning, previously had what is a second or third place finish at Sedgefield. Uh, J.T. Poston was another one, had great performances at the Heritage, ended up winning at Sedgefield over time. So those are the two to really look at. Um, and we can try to break that down a little bit later on. I just want to take a shorter sample here and look at the past 24 rounds and see if that potentially yields something different for us and maybe pops up. Usually when you want to target sleepers, you're either going to go with like the overwhelming course history guy, which depending on the course, sometimes yields good results. Hey, you could have got on Charles Schwartzel and Danny Willett that way at the Masters because course history means the most at Augusta National than any other course. It's to be seen whether that really means a ton at the RBC Heritage. So if we shrink the sample down to 24 rounds, you see Hadwin gets a jump. It now goes Thomas Henley, Cam Smith, Hoagie Hadwin, Neiman Lowry, List, Norin, Berger. They're all inside the top 10. This should be a really good Daniel Berger course to tell you the God's honest truth. Kazire is up there. Chris Kirk. Munoz, all of a sudden. How is Munoz doing? It's just when you don't qualify for the Masters, you're so out of sight, out of mind. He hasn't played since the players. I guess he played in the match play and didn't play all that well. Had a pretty decent run, no spike performances, but the putting had been atrocious for him leading up to it. We do see that Bermuda is the putting surface where he tends to do a lot better, although that has not been the case so far. Did gain at the players. And I mean, he played Arnold Palmer in the players, and he's coming up in putting from that. Uh, Phoenix is Bermuda, but it's desert Bermuda, a bit different, had a very poor week there. And other than that, I guess the Amex is Bermuda as well, lost slightly there, lost a bunch on Poe at the Farmers. Lost a bunch on Poa at the Genesis. Maybe just don't play when he... I mean, he's a big minus on Poa, so that actually kind of tracks. So uh, Munoz writes out really well as guys that we haven't talked about. Spawn, who continues to have it rolling. The win, playing well at Augusta in his first ever appearance. Knox, Billy Ho. This really should be a Billy Ho type course. How is... 
does he show up to this tournament? I feel like he comes like 13th every year. Obviously, that's not true. But just to see how he does, Heritage, 25th miscut, 45th, 5th miscut, 54th, 50th, 68th, 9th. He should be better at this course. He really should, especially with the way that he's playing right now. CH3 is 29th. Okay, Siwoo, 35th. Nick Taylor, 37th. Nasty Nate Lashley, 32nd. Seb Straka, where's Nasty Nate been here? I feel like he had a good run at Valero. Maybe that was it. Corrales, 15th, 18th, Valero, 27th, Valspar, 7th, and Puerto Rico. Okay. Time is coming back around for Nasty Nate just a little bit. Uh, has played this once in 2020 in that stacked year and missed the cut. No. I mean, gained off the tee, gained on approach, lost around the greens. That was just a stacked field. It's uh, stronger this year, as mentioned. It's not as strong as that year. We'll see over that time frame in opportunities gained to see if anyone really sticks out that maybe we haven't really seen. Cameron Young is second in that number. List is sixth. Fratelli is seventh. Swafford continues to be seventh and continues to rate highly in the model. Luke Donald is 13th. Lonto is 12th, although I think Lonto keeps like missing cuts, so maybe this is drawing back a little bit further than maybe we expected. How far back does this go from last year? Well, it's almost all this year except for round four at the RSM. Another pretty good comp course, which is very close in proximity to, I mean, that one's on Sea Island. This one is on Hilton Head Island. That's the name of this one. Nasty Nate is up there again. EVR. Stupid Watney. I'm going to play Watney, and he's going to end up coming dead last. I just know it. Snedeker's won at this course before. Obviously, he had a nice run at the Valero. 29th in opportunities gained. Maybe he can get it going again. I mean, he came 18th at Valero and lost 5.2 strokes putting. I don't know if he found something at Valero or what the hell is going on, but that's a big improvement considering he was god-awful from the, I mean, from the Amex, came 14th, miscut, 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 in devastating fashion, like truly horrendous. And then comes 18th at Valero, despite losing over five strokes putting. Uh, has never really recaptured the magic of his win. Who the hell did he run down? I think he ran down Luke Donald in 2011. I just, he won a playoff, maybe? Staged a huge comeback? Yeah, he did. They went to a playoff. He ended up winning. Oh, two gloves, Tommy Ganey. There we go. Nick O'Hearn, Garrett Willis, Scott Verplank, Jason Day, Kevin Na. Kevin Na's in the field here. It's going to be tough to say because if you go look at his master's numbers, it's going to be really interesting because he had the five putt on 16 on Saturday. That's going to just make all of his numbers look really horrible. But let's see. He has not been playing well recently, but obviously he just had the baby, played well enough at the Masters, and this would theoretically be a really good course for him. Sat out the players, played match play, played pretty well, got out of his group. It's a short course. Anytime you get a short course on Bermuda, I mean, that's where we're really looking for Kevin Na. That's where he can really heat it up. So he's going to come in with pretty deep odds uh, unless somehow he surges Sunday at Augusta, which he doesn't seem to be doing as of the time of this recording. So you can probably be okay with that. So that's all interesting. If we just take a look at strokes gained approach, any outliers up there? Kazire doing really well. EVR doing really well. Norin, the glove. Knox, all the guys that you would expect. What if we shrink this down to past? Let's just take a look at the rolling report of all of the stats to see if anyone pops up that, you know, trending upwards, trending downwards from 100 to 12 rounds, 12 up to 100 rounds. And of course, the Masters doesn't give away public strokes gain data, so you're not going to have that searchable. Even on Fantasy National, you're going to have to go find that yourselves. Uh, some of the different locations, it's just it's not public information that people are going to have to go calculate that on their own. So let's take a look. Past 100 rounds, all of, I mean, the longer sample you go, the better players that are going to pop to the list. So who's trending downwards? Dustin has been worse. Uh, if we just go from 100 to 12, Cantlay has been especially bad. Uh, Neiman has actually been a lot better. Sungjae, although he's coming out, going to be coming off a great great tournament at the Masters regardless of how Sunday goes. Unless he, unless he shoots 90, he's going to be fine. So we see Werner, List, Werner, Tringali, Sungjae, Hoffman in the short term have been a lot worse than their past 100. Now, if you just look at past 24 rounds for List, he's top five in this field. So, you know, you can really 
take or not put in enough weight or information. It depends on how you want to see a lot of these numbers. But you can see someone like Answer, who's just down across the board. He was a lot like Cantlay in this situation. And this is weighting 10% putting on top of it. How's the Gim Reaper up to? It was great at the players, as he's been twice now. Missed the cut at Valero. How has he been at Heritage? T33, great with the ball striking. As you can see, the putting's never really going to be all that good, but if you can gain, I mean, Bermuda's by far his worst as well. So that's going to have to be a flyer if you're going to take one. Grio trending way downward. So let's just sort by past 12 and see if there's anyone who is way up. Hadwin, way up as he's number one over the past 12 rounds. Horschel from 73rd to 4th from 100 to 12. Uh, Alex, Alex Norens, 59th to 8th. That's a big jump. Fratelli, 99th to 12th. Uh, Evier, 35th to 15th. And Herban Lahiri, uh, 102 to 18th. And that's two consecutive tournaments in a row now for Anne Herban, where he's been really good. Uh, 13th at Valero, second at the Players, obviously, made the cut at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So that's why he is spiking a little bit upward. Luke Donald, 74th to 19th. Or some other ones here. Straka, 81st, 100 ago, 22nd now. Streelman better. Harmon better. Harmon's interesting because, I mean, this guy has been blown up a few times now. So I don't believe Wesley Bryant qualified for the Masters. And I don't think the CT Pan was in the Masters the year that he ended up winning. But of you know most years, someone who played at the Masters ends up doing well uh, or winning the RBC, RBC Heritage. Like Kadira did it that year. Uh, he played at the Masters the week before, ended up winning the next week. Brennan Grace was another one that followed that path. Obviously, last year, Stuart Sink well, you know, came through on that trend. Webb Simpson did play in the Masters, but there was no Masters, and that wasn't even at the same time slot, so that one's tough to go through. Yeah, so Wes Bryan and C.T. Pan are really the only two outliers from that regard, so maybe that's a way to trim down your list. Maybe that's how you don't end up playing Kirk or even Alex Norton, who I really like, or even Adam Hadwin, who the stats are going to tell you to play, and that way you can end up on Harmon as a longer shot, or even Tom Hoagie as a longer shot, just because, or Seb Straka. These types of players who just keep the momentum going. It's not the end-all, be-all, obviously, but you know that's when you're trying to cross guys off your list who are doing well or not doing well, that's one path that you can take. CH3 goes from 83rd to 32nd. Fleetwood, and this could be a spot for Fleetwood. Wow, why am I saying that? That's I know that's not the case. Come on now, Pat, what are you doing? Sound like fucking Feinberg over here. Watney, 96 to 41st. Okay, so we got some guys. That we can go through. Before we finish off, I do want to look at the Pete Dye corollaries and some of the different tournaments that we can look at at the same time. Uh, so past 50 rounds, probably don't want to go that far. Let's go past 24 rounds and click off the seasons. We'll go back to 2019. So we'll just put all of those through past 24 rounds. And there's different ways that you can kind of sort these numbers. Obviously, Harbor Town's a shorter course. It's only 7,100 yards. So you can go down on the filters, go, I mean, let's just try that right now. Bermuda grass. Why not? Since we're here anyway, let's check out some of the mixed conditions that we can put together. Uh, we can go Bermuda grass. What is this? A par 71. Eh. Don't probably don't need to put that one in. And we'll go less than 7,200 yards. Just see what pops up. Bet you it's Daniel Berger. I just happen to know he plays these shorter courses pretty well. So we can look at total and tee to green. Total, Daniel Berger, number one. Boom. Been doing this a while. Berger, Henley, C. Woo! Kim, Webb Simpson, Kevin Kisner. So at these shorter courses, now, obviously, these types of players play at these courses more often. Uh, but you still have all your 24 rounds from all these guys. Other ones that pop up, Cam Davis, Shane Lowry. Lowry might be a look next week, too. He's been just riding so hot. Connors, Denny, Dustin, Kirk, Cantley, Sungjae, Morikawa, and Thomas up there. Tita Green-wise, Si Wu is number one. Berger is number two. Answer, Connors, Thomas, Henley, Webb. Uh, we can look at that on a per average. So on average, it's still Berger, and then it's Henley. Then it's still Si Wu. So we're all pretty good on that regard, whether it be strokes gain total or strokes gain Tita Green. So let's click off Bermuda, and we'll click off less than 7,200 yards. And you can run the model with all those as well if you want to do that as well. There's a Pete Dye filter down here. So let's just go Pete Dye filter. Now, not all Pete Dye courses are made the same, but Siwoo plays well at the mall. So let's see if we can get some Siwoo action here. Harmon, Lowry, Webb, 
Connors, Dustin. Oh, I see Wu's all the way down, only averaging 1.3 strokes gained total per round. That's not the best. Let's see, Vizegas pops up. It's only seven rounds, but he continues to pop up here on Pete Dye courses. So that's a bit of an outlier from something that we would see outside of the very obvious names. Gim Reaper, Streelman, Alex Smalley, only the two rounds. I believe Smalley played really well at the Wyndham last year too, though. I think that was him. Let's see, Wyndham, yeah, 29th at the Wyndham Championship last year. Didn't putt well at Valero, tell you that much. Did putt well at the Valspar, though. Put it okay at the Honda. He's been playing some good golf. Uh, this might not be the ideal course for him. Tita Green on the die courses. Lowry, Thomas, Connors, Answer, Siwoo, Gimchi, Varner, Fleetwood, Neiman, Streelman. So we got like Harmon, Streelman, Lowry continues to pop up, Hadwin, Hoagie is up there in terms of strokes gained. T to green, he averages 1.1. We can just look at the overall ranks, too, if we just want to take a look at that. Uh, Hoagie is 12th. Morikawa is 13th. Berger is 14th. So Berger not only on Pete Dye courses, top 10 in terms of strokes gained total, top 15 in terms of strokes gained. T to green was number one when we sorted by courses on Bermuda under 7,200 yards as well. See, there's Harmon. Uh, he's top you know, top two in terms of Pete Dye courses, and he's top 20 tee to green. Matthew Fitzpatrick obviously fits that as well, so we'll go with Fitz to see where he ends up fitting into this mix because once I start guessing the odds, it's going to be, oh, he's going to be deeper down the board You maybe than you may, unless the, it becomes very clear that he's the guy that everyone is going to bet. Let's turn off the Pete Dye filter and just start adding a few of the potential crossover courses here. Um, we'll keep Harbortown out of our mouths for the moment just to see what else goes on. Wileye for the Sony Open. We'll check in. Where's Sedgefield? Oh, it's probably under S. That would probably make a lot of sense. So we'll click on Sedgefield. I think Colonial is a pretty decent crossover for this course. It's obviously bent grass greens, but it's short. It's in Texas. Uh, the same type of guys tend to do well at those. Let's just take those three. Actually, no, I'll throw in the Seaside course. CIO and Resort Seaside course where they have the strokes gain numbers from the RSM Classic. And just see what we got going here. Past 24 rounds. You'll see someone like Kanaya only has six. He gained a bunch of strokes on approach at the Masters uh, and only ended up playing two rounds. Fowler only has the six courses uh, between all these. A lot of your top players, not saying Ricky's a top player by any means, over the since 2019 just won't have a lot of experience at these courses. So we're going to go with average and take a look here. So Na is actually the best player, considering he's won at Colonial and won at Wiley. That makes a lot of sense. We could throw in TPC Sawgrass into this mix too, but the issue is, well, a lot of guys have played well at Sedgefield Heritage and TPC Sawgrass over the years. The strokes gain metrics from Sawgrass tend to get really skewed over time just because you know two bad approach shots and you're minus seven on approach that's not what we really want to see we want to get that noise out of here a little bit once we start looking at it so you have na kisner morikawa henley horschel and they all have ample sample sizes of rounds here morikawa has played the fewest amount of rounds and this is sorted by past 24 rounds but he's still at 20 for the moment so that's pretty good coke rack plays these really well there's burger again Connors, hell, we just make a team of these guys. All the guys that no one wants this week, and maybe if they played the Masters. So all of these guys played the Masters until we get down to Svensson. Skip over Svensson. Even Spieth has been really good here. Although the ball striking is not because the approach has been horrible at these courses. That's kind of interesting to see. Uh, the Glove, Tringali, Zach Johnson continues, even though Zach Johnson has been garbage. How did he do at Valero? Because he actually gained on approach at the Masters, and I think he ended up missing the cut. But yeah, Valero, top 20, gained a bunch on approach, 4.6 strokes on approach, gained at the Masters on approach. So not the craziest thing to think about. On approach, Na Morikawa, Connors, Svensson, Tringali are your tops in all of that. Tita Green per round, Na Morikawa, Connors, Justin Thomas, Tringali. Henley and the glove are up there. Svensson continues to be up there. Neiman, who's like the worst player? Hoffman, although Hoffman's like at a different point of his career right now. Griot and Hoagie and Kirk. Russell Knox again. Wesley Bryan? Okay. Obviously, he's a former winner at this course. How has he been doing? 15th at Corrales. 62nd at Valspar. Okay. Maybe he's the cheap guy that we can play this week, and that will just be fantastic news for everyone, which means it's about time 
that we have to go and try to guess the odds for the RBC Heritage. And this is going to be a bit difficult here. So right now, in terms of odds down the list, I have Cam Smith at 8-1. to one. That's obviously pending the finish at the Masters. And there will be a substantial difference if he comes first or comes second. Because if he comes first, he might not play. He might withdraw. I would probably do that if I won the green jacket, but we'll see. 8 to 1, I got JT at 10 to 1, Morikawa and DJ at 12 to 1, Cantley at 16. So those are the five guys that I have below 20 to 1. I got Speeth at 22, Webb and Lowry at 25, Hatton and Fitzpatrick at 30, and Kevin Kisner at 35 to 1. Maybe I'm being too generous with the Hatton range, but there's only so many guys that you can make 20 to one before no one bets on them. The books know that. And considering I know that they're going to be taking money on Hadwin and they're going to be taking money on Chris Kirk this week, that there's certain guys from that range that you know that are going to get bet down, that it might present a nice opportunity in this mid range that we can attack. I'll probably still end up betting Morikawa because I do every single week and then he won't play well. I'll be like, nah, well, next time we'll get him. But you have not lost. If you would just bet Colin Morikawa every event that he has played on the PGA Tour since he turned pro, you'd be up a whole lot of money. So you have to keep that into consideration too. You're not going to win every week. Trust me, that's something I'm becoming very familiar with recently. And I know a lot of you are too. It's frustrating, but you know, you get to stay the course sometimes, or you have to figure out if what you're doing is fundamentally wrong. And because golf happens once a week with different fields at different courses, you could be doing everything right. And the result could just be wrong. Or your process could just be absolutely horrendous. And there's a reason that you're wrong every week. It sucks because the samples are so small. These are isolated single events that happen once a week that it's really difficult to parse and very difficult to tell. I, I think I got to start doing something different here soon because you know, I'm going to have no money left by the end of it. Now, fortunately, I only wager what I can afford to lose. Um, but that's becoming smaller and smaller because I've lost so much. It'd be nice to get one into the win column soon, wouldn't it? I know, I know a lot of you out there would feel the same way too, but I know a lot of people have Cam Smith futures and Scotty Scheffler futures from way back when for Augusta. So hopefully that can come through with you. And I actually paid for my week because I put a lot of money on Tiger making the cut, which I know a lot of people out there did as well. You want to talk about frustrating, the miss the cut parlays. Burns missed it on the small one. Rose missed it on the big one. That was it. That could have been a hundred to one, a 70 to one and a 10 to one payout, but nope. Burns had to go miss it on the number. Thanks a lot, Sam Burns, for nothing. Could have had so much money coming into the Heritage. Would have been nice. Anyway, that will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience, fantasynational.com slash mayo. To get that 20% off, hit the description on YouTube or the podcast to get the link to the Listener's League. Three max entry, $15 to play. No rake, thus making it the best tournament on drafting. Smash like and sub to the newsletter. On the way, I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time.